How many know when somebody puts their foot in something, they don't always like it, do they? <laughs> if you have your Bibles, I just want you to go with me. First Peter, look at First Corinthians chapter 13 first as we get started this morning. First Corinthians chapter 13. So glad you are here. Just believe you'll be mightily blessed, refreshed. First Corinthians chapter 13. We've been speaking on love now. Of course, we've been speaking on the fruit of the Spirit. We've gotten into love. And last week I shared uh, about love is kind. And the week before, love is, suffers long, is patient. I just want to look at this with you right quick. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4, it says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Does not behave itself rudely, does not seek its own. Is not provoked, thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And the first of verse 8 says, love never fails. I want you to look with me also quickly, 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4, verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. It says, and above all things, have fervent love. How many of you I shared with you, fervent means white hot, like by fire. Have fervent love one for another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Amen? I want you to write this down. I want you to write down that love will not only cover a multitude of sins, but as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love will prevent a multitude of sins. And you know, in this life that we live, let's say this is my life. When I start leading as we're going to study today, if I start walking or operating in the area of envy or jealousy or pride, I start stepping back down to the low life that Christ saved me from. But if I walk in the area of patience and kindness and gentleness and truth, then I start walking back up to where God wants me. And what the Word is telling us here to be careful that we don't go back to the lower life because the Word warns us in the last days, it says the love of many will wax cold. Now, isn't it something? He says for us to be white hot, fervent, fire in love, but in the last days, many will wax cold. And that word wax cold means to return to the animal nature. In the last days, even believers will be fighting each other. In the last days, many people will not be patient or kind because we walk in an area of selfishness or pride or envy that is so easy many times for because of envy for strife to come in and then we feel ourselves being torn apart. As I get ready to share about envy today, do you know what, everybody talks about automobiles right now, do you know what devaluates a car more than anything else? When your neighbor buys one better than you. (laughs) You know what devaluates a boat, guys? Is when your buddy gets one better than you. Because it's so easy to fall in that area of envy. And when we start envy and we get jealous, we start going down. And it means to wax cold, to go back to the animal type nature. And how many know we're called to be sons and children of God, to be imitators of God as children who walk in love? So this is what it's warning us about in the area of envy. Now, in 2 Corinthians 5, you don't have to look at it, but 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and 15, it says, For the love of Christ 
constraineth us. That word constraineth means to overmaster us, to control, to control us, to restrain us. And that, that the love will help us continue to be kind and gentle so we don't fall into those areas of being rude or envious or jealous or, or boastful or pride or arrogant. How, how many of you know we're not called to be the arrogant of the earth. We're called to be the salt of the earth. Amen. And you know, something that the Lord is, was dealing with about in these last few days is that the way I was raised... Uh, the last few years and studies we do and the, the people we were in fellowship with, we meditate a lot in the area of excellence. And we do a lot of teaching in the area of excellence and we need excellence. I believe in total integrity. I believe in total excellence. But the Lord started speaking to my heart here lately about you can be so, walk so much in the area of excellence that you don't give, you don't give room for mercy and kindness and that, you know, what got to me, we got a phone call just about two weeks ago. They said that they have a problem on top of their head and would I have a problem if they would come with a hat on? And, you know, we have gotten into such an area. And I, of course, I said, no, I said, you can wear all the hats, any type of hats you want to. But, you know, the mentality for church is you got to dress a certain way, look a certain way, have, you know, and, you know, I'm not saying people need to start wearing hats to church because, you know, our mama taught us better than that. But if a person feels uncomfortable or is going through something or even going through maybe chemo or something and they want to wear a hat, then, then we should be so loving and walking in love that if somebody walks in here with a hat or a cap on, that we don't even look twice at them to make them feel uncomfortable. And, you know, another thing, there's a bunch of preacher jokes and a lot of jokes about, you know, churches where the deacons go in the back and they got an ashtray where they smoke and put their cigarettes and, whoa, me. And, you know, we've, we've, you know, people's talked about, man, you will not believe the cigarette butts we found in the church's parking lot or in the flower bed. And, you know, those things used to go like, man, they shouldn't be spoke, smoking in the parking lot or throwing the cigarettes in the flower bed. And there's even a few times we found beer cans in the parking lot. And, you know... First, you know, reaction is, how dare they? But I started thinking and I started feeling, you know what? If we got cigarettes, buds in the parking lot, that means we're doing something right. If we got a beer can or two that Brother Floyd forgot. <laughs> I'm not encouraging you to smoke. I'm not encouraging you to drink. But, you know, we can preach hellfire and damnation so hard against it. And it is so hard to quit something that, you know, people hiding it. My dad fought it for years and he'd get down and go preach somewhere and hide it in the sun visor. And I just felt, you know what, if there are cigarette butts going around and this and that here and there, that just means we're doing something right. That means that everybody feels comfortable enough to where, you know what, I may not be perfect, but I love Jesus just like everybody else does. That don't mean to smoke. You hear me, son? That don't mean to smoke. But, you know, I was looking in the mall. We, we just got back. I, I had a sleep with Jake and Shane for the last five days. God bless you, my daughter. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Of course, Shane, Shane got to sleep with him, so they slept together. They're so cute. Anyway, 
But what, we were at a conference. We just got back last night and walking around the mall and, you know, you, you see these guys and, and they, they have their ears stretched really big and you just see different things. And, and, and you know, God loves them. And instead of putting on that religious mask like saying, look at that. It's like, my God, bless that boy, whatever he's looking for. And I just think that, God, in this message of love, maybe I'm the number one who needs it. It says the love of Christ constrains us. And they were asking me questions about the mission field, and they couldn't believe some of the stories and some of the things we lived through. But you know what? There was such the love of God for those people that we would live in any situation, do without, and not even worry about it because there was the love of God in our hearts to better love supernaturally, not worrying about what the environment was like and the food was like because the love of God constrains, overwhelms, it rescues, it pulls. And I just feel God is calling His body that there are so many people that need rescuing. That we've, we've got to walk in the area of love that we overlook all natural things. And if they have to wear a hat to church, man, wear a hat. If you're still fighting this, and you know, you, you, they get to hold it and hide it in their hand like that, you know. Oh, there's pastor, you know. <laughs> but there's a few brothers in the church, they have them right there in their pocket, and they, they come in church where they don't even hide it. Well, God bless you for not worrying about what I'm going to think. Because you won't answer to me. In fact, give me one here. No, 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 I don't mean, I don't, I don't, no. I'm being bad today. I just, I've had a very little sleep this week. No, the, no, I, but you know, he dealt with me. We walk in such an area, excellence. Oh, oh, oh. You know, we're not going to be, oh, till we dead and in heaven. God is still working on us. And you know, suits and ties and clothes, that's not to intimidate anybody or, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, I, I can't hug you or I'm not good enough to hug you. It doesn't matter the hair. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the outward appearance like it does the heart. You know, one thing that got me, we, we heard a, a speaker, Brother Tommy Barnett, who's in Nevada, Arizona, uh, Las Vegas, or somewhere like that, in California, Hope House. And he was telling the story that somebody came to him and says, Pastor, you won't believe, because they work with people on the streets and all that. He says, Pastor, you won't believe. There is a man with a beard and long hair, and he's in white, and he says he's Jesus, and he's blessing the children in the church. So they run out there, and they run up to him, and they go, So you're Jesus. I am. And he's blessing the children and all that. And so one of the guys says, hey, did you happen to see the passion? He said, no, too many bad memories. (laughs) He actually thought he was Jesus. And every Friday they go around and they give a rose uh, to the prostitutes and, and, and uh, they'll even rescue them and bring them to a place where they, they got ex, some ex-prisoners who help protect those girls when they bring them in there and, and bring, get them back into life. But he told another story and he told about when church people don't show up to do the uh, dramas, he goes in the park and he bribes the bums and the winos and the homeless to uh, do the drama because the 
church people. He's got a church of thousands and, you know, church people don't always show up. So he goes to the park and gets the winos and the homeless. And they say, oh yeah, you feed me or, or something like that. I'll get into play. And one year he, he did a human Christmas tree. And he put all these drunks and uh, uh, drunkards and uh, homeless people in this Christmas tree. And he says, I know you don't know the words. And they said they didn't. So he said, just say elephant, elephant, elephant. So they all got in that tree and was just saying elephant. But the miracle, miraculous thing that happened was down below in the crowd in the park. They were doing this out in, out in the field, in the park. A mother who had been praying for her son who had disappeared years before looked up. And there was her son in the tree. And after all those years, finally got to see her son. And you know, so I, I just feel like Christ is doing something in Word of Grace. To where anybody and everybody, and that's one thing Connie told me as she came, met me last Friday and we spent some time together. That's one thing she told me about her husband, Johnny, that, that, that he said he could understand and he felt comfortable here. And you know what? That's how we want everybody to feel. We want everybody to feel that they can come and they can get a word. They can be loved and they can be accepted. And that, you know, we're all going to grow. When I first started spoon feeding, I know I must have gave my mama a, a, a run for her job. But, you know, my wife don't have that big of a problem anymore, just most of the time. That she still has to clean up a mess. But I'm learning. But, you know, we're all learning. You ought to see Jake eat if you thought I was something. Man, you should have seen Jake drop a handful of mashed potatoes when Shane said something the other day. You know, use your fork, bud. <laughs> but you know, God is working on all of us. So we, we want to walk in that love which is kind and gentle. Amen. So now that I said that, we got to study on envy. It says that love does not envy. And I bet you're thinking, oh my God, another message? You ought to just stop there while it's going good. No, we got to keep on going. Amen. How many want to keep on going? Yeah. And you know, th thank you, thank you. Oh, you're really into it. God bless you. Uh, you're paid for that. <laughs> anyway, the Bible says, love does not envy, or listen what it means, to not have ill feelings in seeing or hearing of another's blessings. And you know, it's just simple things. It's not just not hearing and seeing blessings. How many of you have ever heard, I've heard it on TV because I don't have daughters, but how many of you have ever heard on, TV, on these TV shows, uh, not only daughters but women, when they go, I just hate her. Did you see that? She's down to a size two. I hate her. And, and, and you know, that's envy speaking. Now, nobody here talks that way, do you? I mean, God bless every size 14 and 18 in the world. Hallelujah. <laughs> But so many have this problem about envy and, and jealousy, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, being miserable. Envy is what we cover up on the inside. Envy is what we won't cover that we don't want other people to see or to feel. You know what envy means? Somebody said this. Envy means to sew up our eyes, to stay in darkness, and let bitterness become the poison of our life. To soap our eyes. When we lived in Argentina, they would go on a starvation fast and they would chain themselves to the state capital and they would actually get a needle and thread and they would sew their lips. And you would see their lips swell and the thread would stretch and their lips would be sewn from end to end 
and they would torment themselves to show that they were unhappy with the government and they were hungry and there was no jobs and there was no money. Well, envy means to sew up your eyes to be in darkness so that you can allow the poison to just develop and grow on the inside of you. Envy opens the door to plot against. It strikes our motivation and poison of life that God intended for us to love, but for us to poison and want to hurt someone. Love does not envy. It's the, in the Greek, it means it's not jealous, does not have feelings against others because of what they have, such as gifts, position, friends, recognition, possessions, popularity, abilities. Do you know it is possible for a husband to be envious of his wife because his wife has friends and he doesn't? Do you know it is possible for a husband and wife to be jealous of one another because one maybe makes more money than the other or has a higher education? You you know, it it is sometimes, you know, and, and, and it's not because someone is better than you. Maybe your husband has more friends than you do, but maybe it's because it's his temperament. Maybe he's just an outgoing guy and you're not. And you try to be, but you just make a mess of it because that's not who you are naturally. You've got to learn to accept who you are naturally. You can learn to love more, but you're just who you are. And if you married a mate who's more friendlier, that, that just may be their personality. Love them and just be happy for them. Amen. It says in Galatians 5.26, Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. David said in Psalms 37.1, Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. How many people today are envious of how the people in Hollywood live? Well, I'd love to have two, three houses. Oh, I would do anything if I could have cars like that. I would do anything if I could be popular like that. Well, they have. They've sold their soul to the devil. Many of them, not all of them. Many are being converted. Hallelujah. But do not be envious of the lifestyle or the way other peoples live. Uh, Another scripture says in Proverbs 3.31, Do not envy a violent violent man or choose any of his ways. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. It rots the bones. Proverbs 23.17, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of God. You know, you see all through the Bible where envy had its poison. You can read in Genesis chapter 30, verse 1 through 4. We won't go there. But in Genesis chapter 30, verse 1 through 4, it talks about Rachel being envious because her sister Leah, the ugly one, was having all the kids. And she's talking there. You can go back and read and she's talking and Rachel's saying, you know, I'm not having any children. And she was feeling like she was not adequate enough. She was feeling like she wasn't good enough. And here's Leah. I mean, she's having kids by the dozen. Every month it's a new one coming. And they're trying to figure out what to name the kid. A bird goes over. Her husband comes home in Levi's. We're going to name him Levi. I mean, he's just always <laughs> looking around trying to figure out what are we going to call these kids? And so Rachel goes, it's not right. I am feeling left behind. I want a baby. So she remembered Sarah, who also had envious problem with Hagar. And says, well, if I can't give him a baby, brought her maid and said, here you go, Jacob, sleep with her, that she may have a baby between my knees, that I may have a child for you through my handmaiden. And Jacob, the gentleman that he was, said, okay. (laughs) And she bore him a kid. And then you go on to read and Leah, Leah says, wait a minute, I'm not going to be outdone. 
Where's my maidservant? I, ain't, I haven't had babies in a while, so I'm going to get a maidservant. So she brought her maidservant to Jacob and said, Jacob, here, have a child for this one. Okay, and he had a child for that one. I mean, babies were just coming and going all over the place because it was a competition. Do you know what it says in Leviticus chapter 18? God had to make a law. He says, do not have sex with your sister's sister while your sister's still alive. If you don't want hell on earth, if you don't want to provoke envy and jealousy, do not get married to your sister-in-law. Because God says, you know, they're so stupid. You know, just look at all of them from the beginning. They married sisters and sister-in-laws and kept fighting and it broke up families. I'm going to have to make a law in the Bible. And the law says, do not marry. How many know? Envy. You know, I, I, I even think sometimes husbands and wives go overboard on saying, oh, I just think that actor is so handsome. And your husband just looks down. Look at that full head of hair he's got. Look at those abs he's got. Look at those arms he's got. And you know, you and the husband will say, you know, I don't like that. All, all the women do it. You know what? Not all the women do it. We've got a bunch of women here. You don't do that, do you? That's right. My wife don't do that. Because I cried too many times the first <laughs> 20. But you know what happens? Rachel starts comparing herself to Leah. Where Rachel had her own good qualities, but just because she couldn't have a baby, she did later on. She had two, and the last one killed her. (laughs) That might be a message too. (laughs) Because it's rottenness to the bones. But And wives and husbands provoking to envy and jealousy. And I think some do it on purpose. Oh, there's my man. Uh Uh-uh, that's your man. That 275 man right there, that's your man, and you better just love everything you've got right there. Amen, men. Amen, ladies. Oh, got to preach on that some more. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 27, 18, he knew very well that the Jewish leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Let me tell you something. How many know the Bible says that we can quench the Holy Spirit? Well, I believe we can arrest the Holy Spirit by having an envious spirit. We can arrest the anointing just as the Jewish leaders arrested Jesus not to allow Him to move and work and operate in our lives. Envy will have you thinking the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. But how many of you know the grass is always greener over the septic tank? Do you know some people can even envy somebody else's freedom? You know, I wish I was free like that. I wish my husband would treat me like that, which he should. But maybe he wasn't raised, or I wish my wife would do this or be this way. Well, maybe she wasn't trained or raised, and that's what church and the different ministries in the church and books and study and and investigation can end up developing but you don't envy and compare. Why can't you be more like him? Or why can't you be more like her? The Bible says you have, you're walking down 
from the level of love into the level of envy and hate and you're turning back into the animal instincts and it will just turn into more and more strife and division. You know, a while back I taught the youth, I got to teach the youth on a Wednesday night and I brought a bunch of clothespins as this example. How many of you ever uh, eaten crabs, while, you know, and seen them while they were alive? How many have ever pulled one crab out? As a kid, my grandmother always boiled crabs. You pulled out one crab, but how many know the other crabs grab it and then grab it? And I put all those clothespins together because I wasn't going to bring crabs in here. So I brought clothespins, and I had a whole bunch of clothespins hanging from one another. Why? Because the crab will not let any of the crabs... You notice that you don't have to put a lid on top of crabs because the other crabs will not allow any crabs to get out. Something moves, they grab it. Well, that's what envy does. I envy their position. I envy their lifestyle. I envy, envy how they get along. I envy their relationship. I envy their kids. I, I envy how they are in sports. I envy the money they make. I envy, 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 envy. And how many of you know King Saul had a problem with envy? That while David was even trying to play worship, he was trying to throw javelins. Envy starts speaking hate and death. Why? Because the young maidens were singing the Saul had killed his thousands, but David had killed his ten thousands, and envy started eating on him. And the boy he once called his son, now he calls his enemy, and he wants to see dead. Envy is quiet, but it eats. How can that man kill his wife? How can they who've been married this long end up in divorce? How could that happen? How could that happen? Because when you allow it to eat on you, it just continues to eat and to eat and to eat. I saw Missy's here today, but Joseph's not. Joseph is our other guitar player. And one thing I have appreciated about Joseph, and, and they live in Tyler now, so he can't make it every time. Oh, y'all have moved back? Oh, 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 you're in the process. That's what he's doing. Joseph's not here today, but Joseph is the other guitar player. You know, Carbon plays guitar like he was born with it. I mean, now, how many know that young guy, he could play that guitar? And Joseph is an excellent bass player, guitar player. But you know the thing that I love about Joseph, you, if, when you start talking to him, He'll stand there and he, he'll talk with you, not around Corbin. And that Joseph will just start bragging on Corbin like he is the best guitar player in the world. And here he is. He's a guitar player. But he is, from his heart, he is saying, it's amazing what that boy does with the guitar. And then he'll start bragging on Cody on the drums and Nate on the bongos and Daryl on the bass. He'll he, he start bragging about everybody when you tell him, Joseph, you're good too. No, no, no. You hear what these guys sound like? There's not a jealousy in him when he speaks and brags about other people. And, you know, I admire that in him. And I admire that in people. And, like, you know, so many times it says that some people preach the gospel out of envy. Paul said that out of jealousy and envy. And you know, so many times people say, well, pastor, like we just came back from this gigantic church with all the lights and it was so great and fabulous. And it was like, pastor, wouldn't you like a church like that? Well, you know, the pastor was honest and, and the pastor was talking and during his service. He says, you know, I've been going through a depression. And here he is, he's on TV, all kind of channels. He's got all kind of books and tapes out. And he said, and other pastors got up and they started talking, you know, I've been going through a depression. I'm tired, I'm depressed. And, you know, a lot of times when a pastor has a smaller church, you know, you think, oh, I w what would I not give to have the biggest church in town? You know what they'll tell you? The bigger the church, the bigger the headache. You don't need to envy my position. If God gives it to you and it grows, you praise Him for it. 
But don't you preach and try to copy and try to do other things and do everything you can and be somebody else to get what they got. You be you and let God build the house. Because if it's a church of 20 or if it's a church of 2,000, it's still His work. And we're not in competition. If we've ever needed a bond, we need a bond now. Amen. There was a man who wrote, Men don't see the price you paid. They only see the dividends received. When they see you being rewarded openly, they don't understand, they don't understand and know what you have been sowing in secret. This worship leader, David Baroni, he wrote this. He said, Envy insults God as though by giving all that he did to my brother, he didn't have enough left over to give me my rightful portion. But with God, there's plenty to go around. So if God has limited his gifts to any of us, it's so that he might not burden us with more than we can bear. Envy, the sign of insecurity. If I had what they had, I would feel this way. You know, you hear so many times, you know, I used to have a, a rice burner myself and you get around all these guys who have Harleys and all that. And, you know, we're riding Suzuki's and Kawasaki's and Ashimayaki's. And you're riding around on these rice burners and all these guys come up on these Harleys and brrr, and they're vibrating and everything, you know. And they rev, you, all of a sudden you rev up your motor. And they're on the side of you and... I wish I had a Harley. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> that's all right. This is a fun service today. You won't get penalized today. But you know, it's so easy. You know, well, I wish I had one of them. Well, I wish I could afford that. Well, I wish I could be on paid staff. Well, I wish I could go on a trip with the pastor. Invite me. <laughs> I could be a lot of fun. You probably won't join the, be in the church when you come back, but you still be in a lot of fun. But listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 12, 20. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife. It's right there. Envy is in, all, it is in the middle of all them bad words. That means the Holy Spirit saying, you know, you may not commit adultery, you might not murder, you might not steal, but envy, watch out. It says in Romans 13, 13, let us walk properly as in the day, not in rivalry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Philippians 1, 15, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. 1 Timothy 6, 4. He is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes, arguments over words, arguments over words, from which come envy, strife, rivaling, and evil, evil suspicions. Evil suspicions arising from envy. How many times have you heard a story of a man or a woman, husband or wife, who might have killed their mate because they were just sure that they were fooling around on them. And they weren't. Evil suspicions start growing as they meditate and they feed it. Envy is the painful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another. Accompanied by a strong desire to possess the same advantage. Envy wants to have what someone else possesses. Jealousy wants to possess what it already has. Jealousy is coarse and cruel. Envy is sneaky and subtle. 
Jealousy clutches and smothers. Envy is forever reaching and longing, squeeing and thinking, and sinistering ways of getting. I got a card from some sweet person in the church this week, and it shows some ladies doing aerobics or something in the background, and there's a cat right here on a mat. And the cat's got his legs straight up like it's doing uh, exercise too. And it says, I meditate, I do yoga, and I chant but I still want to smack someone. <laughs> but I like, they scratched out the bad meditate yoga and chant. And they said, I worship, I pray and I sing, but I still want to smack someone. <laughs> and then I won't tell you who it's from or nothing. I don't want to embarrass her who is on my right side right now. I don't want to embarrass nobody. <laughs> but listen to this. A person usually criticizes the individual whom he secretly envies. The person, see, the person usually criticizes the individual whom he secretly envies. So when we talk bad about somebody, it's probably because we want something they got. Hmm. The only person worth envying is the person who doesn't envy. When you feel yourself turning green with envy, you're ripe for trouble. Don't mind the fellow who belittles you. He's only trying to cut you down to his own size. Envy is blind and knows nothing except to depreciate the excellence of others. We underrate that which we do not possess. Envy provides the mud that failure throws at success. Don't envy anybody. Every person has something no other person has. Develop the one thing that makes you outstanding. The only person worth envying is the one who has found a cause bigger than himself. Being overcome with envy is like running into the ocean. And the deeper you go in, the harder it is to get out. We spoke about that yesterday. Envy is usually the mother of gossip. Jealousy is the soul what sickness is to the body. Love is the glue that cements friendship. Jealousy is what keeps it from sticking, as we saw with those salt and pepper shakers. Most of us aren't prepared to accept success especially somebody else's. Some ulcers are caused by inflammation of the wishbone. A San Francisco woman says she's allergic to furs. Every time she sees a friend wearing a new mink, she gets sick. After a man makes his mark in the world, a lot of people will come around with an eraser. Do you know the great Italian painter Leonardo? Leonardo, do you know he could not stand Michelangelo because they started saying Leonardo's old and run down and Michelangelo's the new thing. And the more Michelangelo was getting famous, the less Leonardo was feeling important and he hated him. Kind of like what happened in the days of the Greek Olympics. One of the guys, two of the guys, they were buddies. They won the Olympics, but only one of them had a statue made of himself. And so every night the friend would go and try to break the statue apart. And this is a true story. So he couldn't break the statue, so he started trying to push it. And and every night he would go and start trying to rock it off so he could throw it down. The only problem was when it fell, it fell on top of him and killed him. That's a true story, and that's also something we've got to be careful of because what we're trying to push to hurt others may fall and destroy us. So these are areas we've got to be careful of. Amen? So love throws a celebration, not a pity party. Rejoice when someone else is blessed. You know, why doesn't that happen to me? 
Why didn't I get a job? Why didn't I get a promotion? Why didn't that happen to me? Learn to throw a celebration and pretty soon others will be celebrating what's coming to you if you don't get into envy. Amen, church? Trying to get through these things here. After all, it says in John 3, 27, it's God that gives to us. And I want to show you something. This will be the last scripture I share with you in Psalms 131. Psalms 131. Did you get something out of this? I tried to make this as easy as I could on you, not to hurt. So we had fun while the injection was going in. Psalms 131, verse 1. Psalms 131, verse 1. A lot of people were envious and jealous over David, even before he got the kingdom, then after the kingdom. They were always trying to come against him. Look what he says here. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. Not only do I not have a prideful heart, my eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. If I don't understand it, I give it to God. Verse 2. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child which no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. In other words, we wean ourselves from jealousy, from envy, from haughtiness, from pride. We slowly wean ourselves. No, I'm not going to think that. No, if I'm going to look that way, I'm not going to look that way. I'm not going to look at that person that way anymore. I'm not going to look at that person and and try to find things that I don't like about that person and ways to cut them down because they seem so happy. They seem so blessed. They seem to have it so together. I'm going to find ways to try to cut them down. That ministry is being blessed so much, I'm going to find ways to cut it down. My boss at work, he's doing this. I'm going to try to cut him down. My eyes. No, I've learned to wean my eyes and my mouth, my ears and my heart from not, you will not go there. So I want you to stand up with me and I want to lead you in a prayer as we close today. As we've been studying, the Bible says to love as Christ loved. I just, let's just dim the lights and just close your eyes and I want you to, to repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your blood that cleanses me and washes me from all sin. I repent of all envy, all pride, all haughtiness that's been in my life. Right now, you said, whatever I bind is bound. I bind the spirit of envy, the spirit of murder. I renounce Revenge, Revenge. spite, Spite. cruelty, Cruelty. divisions, Divisions. strife, Strife. contention, Contention. competitiveness, hate, Hate. anger, Anger. gossip, Gossip. belittlement, Belittlement. rejection, Rejection. character assassination, assassination. rage, Rage. pride, Pride. pain. Come against insecurity, frustration, malice, slander, fear, confusion, and obsession. I renounce all lying, 
that I've participated in. I renounce participating in gossip and slander out of a cruel heart. I thank you right now for freeing me and delivering me from the power of your Holy Spirit that I may walk free as you have promised me to. In Jesus' name, amen.